I'm San Francisco Chronicle columnist Heather Knight, and you're listening to Fifth and Mission. Many tech leaders have announced they're fleeing the Bay Area for Austin, Miami, or elsewhere, and slamming San Francisco on the way out. Twilio CEO Jeff Lawson posted a thread on Twitter that went viral about why he's staying. One of his tweets read, What I take issue with is our leaders, people of means, abandoning our community when it needs us most, reaping the benefits of Silicon Valley's talent, tech incubators, mentors, professional network, and culture until they no longer need it. He's here today to talk about what prompted his frustration with his fellow tech titans, why he's committed to San Francisco personally and professionally, and what he thinks the city will look like after the pandemic. Jeff Lawson, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, Heather. It's great to be here. You had a a great Twitter thread uh, the other day that I loved um, that went viral, and it called on other tech leaders in the Bay Area to hashtag commit to the Bay. And you said, um, you're not going anywhere and your company isn't either. I was wondering what prompted you to speak out about that. Well, you know, it when I think about what the country is going through, what California is going through, what the Bay Area is going through, right? This is the worst pandemic in 100 years. Um, for many folks, the worst economic environment they've been through in their lifetimes. And tech as an industry, like as a, as a generality, like tech companies have fared pretty well during this pandemic because our workers are, many of them are knowledge workers. They've been able to work successfully from home. Our products have been particularly relevant to the world during this time. So our companies uh, have continued to do business and and many companies, Twilio included, have actually um, probably accelerated some of their business because of the pandemic and because of the relevancy of our products. And so this is a time when we should be thinking about how do we give back, right? How do we help take care of our communities and the people around us who may not be faring as well? And so it just, it rubs me wrong when people use the uh, opportunity during the pandemic to move to another community, uh, and mm-hmm. let's be honest, ones that have lower taxes, and and especially to dunk on right. their community on the way out the door. And it's like, that is, this is not what you should do. We should be taking care of our communities. And look, I actually, like, I understand why people might want to leave. Like, yes, lower taxes, sure. Um, uh, does the Bay Area have problems? Absolutely. Does California have problems? Does San Francisco? Like, yes, there are lots of problems that need to get solved. And so I can understand why folks might say, you know, there's other communities that maybe they want to be a part of. But like, this is not the time to be, you know, dunking on the community, especially when you would ask like, well, what did you do while you were here to actually try to strengthen the community and to use the blessings that, you know, our industry has to try to actually invest back in the community and make it stronger. And so that's what prompted me to write the thread because I just think that our responsibility as um, a corporate citizen, you know, I like to think that our job is to be a good neighbor. And to help strengthen the community around us and society generally because we exist. And that's, you know, what it means to actually build a company that has purpose. And um, that's what Twilio seeks to do. And that's what what I've sought to do as an entrepreneur and as the, the CEO of Twilio. And that's what prompted me to write the thread. Right. It seems like Miami and Austin are the big choices these days for people who are leaving. Um, and a lot of... Um, of tech leaders, like you said, have been dunking on San Francisco on the way out the door. Does that irritate you that, you know, they're not just making their own personal and professional decisions, but kind of being nasty (laughs) on the way out? In some ways, yeah. Like making it a, you know, a moral judgment and all sorts of things like that. Like, look, if people are going to move and by the way, a lot of people have moved and a lot of families have moved like for good reason. Like if the pandemic has allowed folks to, 
to relocate because their job allows them to work now further away from, a, say, a headquarters that maybe they used to have to commute to, and now they can provide a, a, a better you know, quality of life for their family or, or a yard for their kids or their pets to run in. Like I can understand that. Absolutely. We're not talking about those kinds of folks. We're talking about people with means and people who, you know, could afford to uh, live in a wide variety of places and could take care of their families. And they're the ones who are, who are moving, making a big deal out of it, making a moral judgment about California or the Bay area. And to me, it's like that, you know, what did you do to try to invest in the Bay Area? Mm -hmm. Were you active civically? Uh, did you try to use your uh, money philanthropically to help uh, alleviate many of the problems? And like, you know, I don't know the answers. Like, I don't know a lot of these people, you know, personally or in depth. Maybe they did. But even, I, I, you know, I kind of doubt it. Uh, but I also think regardless, you know, if you're invested in a community, you try to make things better. And if you're invested in a community and you decide to leave, look, that's your right why dunk on that community on the way mm -hmm. out? So it leads me to believe that these are probably folks who weren't very invested in the community. Um, and that's what I see issue with. And a lot of, you know, some people saw my Twitter thread and said, oh, you know, there's a lot of places where talent can live. And there's a lot of places where, you know, you can't, you can't have an innovative community. Uh, and there's a lot of places where, you know, developers and like the software talent that technology companies need might live. It's not just the Bay Area. And that is absolutely true. And I'm not saying that every company needs to be in the Bay Area. You know, God knows we, we don't need more people and more competition for, for um, homes and for jobs and everything else. Um, there are a lot of places where people can build companies, and I believe that. But I think that wherever people are, this is a time to be investing in your community. Yeah. And so it's not a message about, hey, it's like, you know, just about the Bay Area versus everybody else. It's actually quite the opposite. Wherever people are, I think that becoming good uh, neighbors, good citizens, and investing in their community, especially when your company or your industry is uh, thriving during a time when so many people are not. How long have you been in San Francisco and what makes you want to stay? I've been in San Francisco uh, 11 years. And I would just say, yeah, this is home. This is where our friends are. This is where our community mm -hmm. is. This is where my company is. This is home. And when you make a home somewhere, you want to make it better. Where did you move from? Seattle. Okay. And where do you think San Francisco will be, say, in one year? Obviously, we, like every other city, is going through um, major trauma right now in a number of ways. But where do you imagine us as we emerge from the pandemic? What do you think the city will look like in a year? Well, there's no doubt that San Francisco has uh, a large share of problems that need to get solved. And, you know, my, my hope is that, first of all, there's a bit of a reset going on right now. Because it was sort of a, a single direction that the city had gone in for the last decade, which was rents were going up, people being forced out, there were more tech jobs here. Um, and look, I do fundamentally believe the answer to that equation is building more homes. It's basic economics, supply and demand. Mm -hmm. And, you know, rarely... You, you can't really fight laws of physics and supply and demand is basically a law of physics, mm -hmm. right? You know, when there's more demand for a fixed amount of supply, prices go up and that's how it gets resolved. And even with things like rent control, I mean, those are really proven to not at scale truly accomplish the goals that they often set out to accomplish. And so ultimately, uh, creating more supply of housing is the way to alleviate a lot of the challenges that San Francisco in particular and the Bay Area more generally have. Um, but nonetheless, the fact that demand has gone down because a lot of people have realized that, you know, during the pandemic, 
when they don't need to be near, say, a headquarters, uh, they could move and they could provide a higher quality of life for their family, which I fully support. Um, that has let the pressure out of the system. And therefore, prices have come down, rents have come down, and that's a really good, like, we needed that yeah. pressure release as a city. We have a little bit of a buy here, and we can use this opportunity to figure out what is a better policy going forward mm-hmm. that will actually enable when demand does go up. And by the way, it will go back up, because right now, there is no upside to living in the city. Mm. You know, cities are great because there's great restaurants, there's great culture, there's music, there's, you know, gatherings. Those are the things, that density of human beings where they share ideas and, um, and culture are what makes cities great and what have made cities great for hundreds of years, maybe thousands of years. Right now, during a pandemic, we get none of those benefits. Mm-hmm. We can't eat at great restaurants. We can't go con- you know, to concerts or music. And we can't even convene with our friends. It's heartbreaking. But when the pandemic is over, we will realize, people will realize that those, those things will return and the reasons to live in a city will return and the upside. And so we will face that pressure again as a city. And the question is, are we going to be better situated the next time, like we get a pat, we, we get a little, a break here to fix and get on the right track here. Are we going to use it or are we going to find ourselves right back in the same spot that we were in at the beginning of 2020? Are we going to find ourselves right back there in a few years? Right. And I hope that we don't waste this opportunity to put ourselves on a better track. Mm-hmm. And do you think the city will still be a major tech hub in the next few years or do you see the industry spreading out more around the country? I think both are going to happen, right? One of the really interesting things about the internet and tech generally is that there's so many opportunities out there, right? The internet provides an opportunity to build businesses that reach millions and billions of people. That's why tech has exploded. That's why the internet has changed the nature of business. And so I think that there are continue to be so many opportunities for people to build businesses. Mm -hmm. Some of those businesses will absolutely get built in San Francisco and in the Bay Area. And a lot of those businesses will be built elsewhere, and that's great too. But I think to believe that for some reason uh, there won't be tech businesses built in, in the amazing city of San Francisco going forward is, is just a fallacy. We'll be right back after a short break. You can support Fifth and Mission and the newsroom that creates it by signing up for unlimited Chronicle access at sfchronicle.com pod. And are your employees mostly working in San Francisco these days or have they left? Is that permanent? Um, what's going to happen with your own employees? Well, there's, there's a bit of all of it. A lot of um, employees, myself included, have stayed in San Francisco throughout the pandemic. Uh, some folks may have temporarily uh, moved somewhere else but expect to move back uh, when, uh, you know, when the pandemic is over, when those upsides of mm-hmm. living in a city return. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then other folks have probably found places where they decided they want to you know, plant their, their roots and make it their new home. And so I think there's a bit of everything, but I know a lot of our employees are very proud to live in San Francisco. Many of our employees in San Francisco were born and raised here and have no intention of leaving. Mm-hmm. Um, are you going to require them to come back to San Francisco and to the office, or is that going to be flexible in the future? We're going to be flexible. We're planning for what we call an open work environment, one where there's uh, many more remote employees, uh, who people who may have previously been you know, near a Twilio office. And by the way, we have 30 offices around the mm-hmm. world give or take. So we've got a presence all around the world. And many of this holds true for all of our offices. 
Uh, there'll be some employees who, uh, you know, now live further away from the office than maybe they would have otherwise. And they want to come into the office maybe one or two days a week, but not five days a mm-hmm. week. And there's other people who are going to be remote full time uh, and they they move somewhere where they're just going to continue this uh, doing business over Zoom and working with their colleagues over Zoom. Uh, and we had, a, you know, a, a small but, uh, you know, non-trivial percentage of our employee population who were remote before the pandemic. And I just think that's going to grow. And then there's there's going to be some people who do want to come back five days a week because they like seeing their coworkers face to face. They like that uh, feeling of building camaraderie with with their coworkers uh, in an in person environment. And so we are planning for a flexible work future that we're calling open work. Oh, cool. And um, how do you think uh, City Hall has handled uh, the pandemic? Um, you know, homelessness is more apparent than ever. Drug overdoses have skyrocketed. A lot of negative things have happened. And yet um, on the good side, we have the lowest death rate from COVID of any American city and people have stayed healthier here than elsewhere. So how do you view City Hall these days? I'm sure there's no right answer to this question (laughs) because everybody has a point of view Mm -hmm. and everybody has things that they might say worked well and then things that they would uh, rightly criticize. And I do not envy uh, really any leader right now because there's so many challenges that they have to solve and um, and through so much of the pandemic, so little information to use and let's be frank, so little support from the federal government uh, to tackle these challenges. Uh, and so, but on net, I think that um, San Francisco and Mayor Breed have done a very good job in tackling the immediate crisis, um, setting up funds to be able to help small businesses through this crisis Um, helping to provide housing that would be a safer place for people who don't have housing uh, in the midst of a pandemic. And so getting people into those hotel rooms and all that, I think those are really good things. And I'm I'm proud at the speed and the clarity with which uh, our city government moved on a lot of those issues. Mm -hmm. Now, that said, there's still a lot of issues that remain. Um, You know, crime is up and I think the DA has come under a lot of heat for not prosecuting folks. And so that's worrisome. Obviously, homelessness, despite the fact that a lot of people were housed in uh, new facilities like hotels, uh, and there's been a lot of uh, facilities built over the past several years, um, homelessness is a tremendous problem. And so I think addressing, uh, continuing to address homelessness, really addressing the increasing crime and figuring out how we're going to deal with that uh, are important. And then, you know, but at some point we have to move out of the minute-to-minute catastrophe mode that we've sort of been in since the early part of the pandemic, (laughs) right? And we've got to start planning for a future that's beyond the pandemic and start solving problems that are beyond the, what's the thing that's on fire today? Mm -hmm. Sometimes Um, literally. And, you know, (laughs) sometimes literally. I'd like to hope that we are at a point where we can start picking our head up and planning a future And saying, okay, what is what is the five, the ten, the twenty-year plan for the city of San Francisco? Mm-hmm. Given that we've got this little release valve for the pressure that we were feeling in terms of, you know, housing and things like that, how are we going to use this moment to create a five, ten, twenty, maybe fifty-year plan for the city of where we're going to build and decide what kind of city we want to be, and start implementing that now? What do we need to accomplish in twenty twenty-one? Beyond just the emergency catastrophe things, what do we need to accomplish as a city and how can we come together to accomplish that? 
That's what I'm really hoping the next thing that we're able to do as a city, as a community will be. And tech companies, including Twilio, have been in the headlines for another reason lately, which is booting Parler, the far-right social media site um, where many of President Trump's followers organized their insurrection at the Capitol building. And I wondered if that was an easy call for you and what kind of feedback you've gotten since. Well, it's always a difficult decision uh, to decide you're not going to do business with a customer. So let me just start there. Um, But what I will say is in a society, words matter. Actions matter. Like that's what norms are. Society is a group of human beings somehow agreeing not to kill each other and to live basically peacefully together. And that's why you have norms that everyone agrees to. And that's why companies have acceptable use policies and terms of service that customers agree to when they become a customer. And look, this isn't new. In the offline world, we all understand, like you can't walk into a a movie theater and yell fire. Mm -hmm. You can't walk into an ice cream parlor and start shouting racist epithets and like expect to continue to be a customer of those establishments for very long. Yet uh, that's what uh, happens in the online world. And somehow, sometimes there's a different, you know, expectation, but that's what terms of service, that's what acceptable use policies are for, for online businesses. And when customers don't adhere to those policies, then you tell them that your business isn't welcome Mm -hmm. there. And it's really the same thing that's been happening offline for a very long time. And I know this is a big week for you because you have a new book out from HarperCollins called Ask Your Developer about how to empower developers to strengthen companies. Um, I am not a tech person, so (laughs) this will probably go over my head, but give us the 30-second elevator pitch about the book and why people should read it. Absolutely. Well, like so many businesses, nearly every business has really had to become uh, tech competent to uh, to survive and thrive in this digital era that we're in. And what I found is that the companies who really know how to unlock technical talent to help them build their future in this online world are the companies that tend to win the hearts, minds, and wallets of their customers. And so this book is a, a playbook for how to do that. And as a CEO, I, like, I'm a developer myself, a software developer, but I'm also a business person. And so I have a unique viewpoint of, of being both the executive and a business person and a developer. And I'm trying to create a bridge between these two worlds so that any sort of business leader can figure out how to better engage with technical talent in order to unleash their full capabilities to help those companies succeed in the digital economy that we're in. And, you know, I sort of think about it like obviously there's a lot of tech companies in the Bay Area um, who need to work with developers and the incumbents in every industry, the, you know, the big enterprises of the world, they have to do the same thing. But even small businesses, they have to figure out how to, how to navigate technology waters. Like I think about how many times small businesses might hire, you know, a niece or a nephew to go build them mm-hmm. a website or to figure out, you know, if you're a restaurant, hey, how do we work with or do we work with the food delivery services? And so navigating the technology landscape is really important. So I think for any kind of business, figuring out how to work with technical talent, how to speak the same language and achieve the common goals of building successful businesses in this digital era is relevant to just about anybody. Yeah. Well, you've survived my serious questions and now it's time for our lightning round. Very serious here. Where is your favorite place in San Francisco to get a burrito? Oh, great question. I think Little Chihuahua. Oh, nice. What is your favorite movie filmed in San Francisco? Bullet. What is your favorite place to get a stiff drink? Wow, it's been a long time since I've gone out to do that, right? (laughs) I know, thinking back, <laughs> like a decade ago, it feels like. 
Oh man, that's a great question. Um, what was my my favorite pub? Uh, a stiff drink specifically, you said. I don't know. I'd have to think about. It. It's so weird. It's been so long since <laughs> I I've drinking alcohol outside of my own home that it's. Uh, I can't even remember those days. Um, I guess that shows you how much I drink. Um, uh, yeah, I'll have to come back to you. On that okay, one, no worries. What was the last book you read? Um, uh, the Righteous Mind. Okay. What was your first concert? Oh, my very first concert. This is going to be so embarrassing. I have to remember his name. Uh, I went because my sister dragged me to it, and I was like a little kid. And it was, um, oh, he was the soap opera star that then had a singing career. Oh. Ricky Martin or no? Oh, no. This was like the it's like the mid-'80s. Oh, hold on. So I'm going to Google it. Um, <laughs> this is important. We've got to find it's out. It's truly important. <laughs> Oh man, uh, soap opera. How do I even Google it? Soap opera star, singer, Musician. music. Jack Wagner. There we go. Thank oh. you, Google. You helped me. <laughs> Jack Wagner. Yeah, he was a General Hospital actor, and then I didn't he had a know singing he became career. A musician. Wow. Oh yeah. I mean, he had like one hit wonder, uh, <laughs> and uh, and uh, yeah. So Jack Wagner. Got it. I think I remember it being too loud, and I wanted to leave. <laughs> That's funny. If you were the mayor, what is one thing you would change about the way San Francisco works? Bring us together. Mm, that's good. We are a city that is at war with itself. Mm-hmm. It has been. Like, that's what I've felt living here since I moved here. That mm-hmm. the city is, there's two cities and it doesn't know what it wants to be. Mm-hmm. And look, we, we, everyone, let's build a great city together. Mm-hmm. There's room for everyone. I think of other great cities. They can hold multiple industries. They can hold multiple viewpoints. They can hold them all together with a common sense of belonging and purpose. Yeah. We can do that I too. Like what is one myth about people in the tech industry that you'd like to debunk? Um, you know, I guess that we're all thoughtless bros. <laughs> <laughs> uh, You're definitely I can not. understand. <laughs> thank you. I can understand the characterization mm-hmm. because there are people who act that way. But I hope people realize that like any group of human beings, there's lots of different types of people. And a lot of the people that I know in the technology industry are very thoughtful, very kind, and very good neighbors. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and together, we just want to build, build uh, we want to build great mm-hmm. companies, we want to build great products, and we want to build a great city and great communities together. And describe your perfect day in San Francisco. This could be now or pre-pandemic. Uh, I think my favorite days are those where I wake up and I have the opportunity to take my kids to school and I have the opportunity to uh, then um, go into work and interact with, with, with the amazing people I get to work with, get to go out of the office during the day and, um, you know, maybe eat lunch at one of the great uh, many restaurants that are in the city in Soma where our office was. Uh, and then I get to come home and uh and see my family again uh before bedtime you know that's the ideal Mm -hmm. day is uh, just interacting with the many great people in my life and uh, getting out and about in the city and last question what is something you always make sure to squeeze into your busy day i would say uh i would ideally exercise Mm -hmm. even though i didn't just describe it in my (laughs) ideal day (laughs) it's not ideal but no (laughs) it's apparently not the ideal day but you've got especially during this pandemic we've got to take care of our bodies it's so easy to to forget that. And so uh, getting out and um, and taking care of ourselves. And there's so many great, like running in the city of San Francisco, cycling. There's uh, so many great things and so many great, um, you know, we are so blessed with weather that allows mm-hmm. us to be outside as much as we are. Let's use it. Yeah, for sure. Well, it was great to talk to you and I appreciate you coming on the show. 
Thank you, Heather. It's been great to be here. Thank you to Jeff Lawson for joining me today, to Karen Creighton for producing this episode, and to you for listening.